0: Last night, I dreamt of my father's death. The slow, pathetic decline of a worthless man was transformed into a noble sacrifice. A resilient stand against oppression, an act to be proud of. I knew I was dreaming, yet I preferred to remain bamboozled and blinded by the beautiful facade. In my dream, I wept freely for a man I understood, cared about, and loved. In my memories, I grew distant from a man I didn't understand, care about, or love. I woke conflicted. Are my dreams telling me that my memories are fiction, that these feelings felt in the facade are more fact than fear? Or perhaps I'm only questioning because my reality was wretched. And that dream, like others of its kind, were a requiem for what could have been. So that was a poem from my latest collection A Requiem for What Could Have Been Poetry for the Broken. And it's out now as a paperback, ebook, audio, hardcover. Everywhere you can get it. And I'll put a link in the show notes if you're interested. It's 141 of my latest poems, and it's my best work yet. So I'm going to start sharing a poem from the book each podcast that I do. Not that I do these podcasts all too often, but that's where we're at. So what's happened recently has led me to a bit of a revelation in my way of thinking and looking at mental health and all of that sort of stuff. Um... The short summary is, is due to reasons outside of my control, I've lost my job. Um, nothing to do with performance on my end, it's a funding issue effectively. Um, the I usually do disability support, but the person that I usually support has changed their circumstances and now it's up in the air as to what myself and the other support workers will be doing. And that's led to some obvious chaos and confusion and stress. It's very stressful not to know where money is coming from. I, I've had breakdowns. I've been quite overwhelmed. When that's combined with the impact of the stresses that I've been going through over the past couple of months, it's, ooh, it's leading to some major, um, major issues. I'm Now in the process of looking for sort of bit work, um, trusting the universe, so to speak, I've realized that I've been trying to control everything and this attempt to control is pointless because it's impossible, but it also will just lead to further stress. I can't control macroeconomic factors. I can't control what's happening with the person that I work with. I can't. But I have a variety of different skills and income streams and opportunities. So I'm going to step into the space where I'm trusting. At least that was the plan. Anyway, yesterday, as part of that stepping into the plan, I was to do some gardening. A friend of a friend has a gardening business and they got injured. And they had a bunch of clients that needed their lawns gardened. So, it was suggested it's like, hey, Zach, do you want to do that gardening? And I'm like, yeah, well, I know how to garden. You know, I know how to do the mowing and whippersnippering and all of that sort of stuff. I can do it. So, I agreed. But then in the morning, this is yesterday, I had basically a breakdown, a, ooh, a panic attack, I suppose you could call it. And it, it became quite overwhelming for me. I realized that I was so worried about doing something I haven't done before, about, you know, what if I mowed the wrong lawn? You know, you turn up at people's houses and, like, they're not there, so you just start mowing. What if I got the address wrong? Like, just all this just stupid anxiety stuff that felt so problematic at the time. So, now, I was able to get through that, push through it, Um, but it was a struggle. However, whilst doing the gardening, whilst I was actually doing the gardening, I decided, okay, I've got six hours on the mower (laughs) um, with, you know, maybe two or three hours driving between the clients. I've got another three this morning, um, weeding. I decided to not listen to music not listen to um, podcasts, just be in my brain and just enjoy it as a meditative experience. And that's what I did. And it was quite revolutionary. I want to know what this anxiety block is, what this business block is. What I want to start doing soon is doing guided poetry writing, workshops. I want to speak on stage. I want to share my journey in front of people. But there's a block there, and the block isn't doing that work. It's sort of the liaising, the acquiring, the setting up. It's making something myself. If someone was to say to me, like, hey, Zach, speak to this group of people now about this topic, I could do it. But if I was to organize it, there's a lot of anxiety there, and I want to try and work through that anxiety. What's the problem? So I discovered a couple of things. Mainly, I discovered that I'm a perfectionist. I discovered that I struggle with... Struggle with, like... A fear of rejection, perfectionism, fear of failure, and the fear of the judgment on me. I realized that I'll put more direct care and concern into something that ultimately won't be seen, doesn't matter, and isn't really even to do with me. For example, the gardening, I'm doing this gardening, and I'm trying to make it perfect. The first job I spent far too long on, it was only an hour, you know, build for an hour of time, but I might have went over that, worrying about each blade of grass, for lack of a better expression. Even when the client won't even notice it, they look out, you see it, it's a, it's a perception thing. The garden looks fine, you know, it's not, Unless it's egregiously wrong, it's not cared about, right? Whereas with my own stuff, with my own books and all this sort of stuff, I've, I've accepted this 80% sort of situation. So I can release, not 80, 80, 90%. Like, you know, you can never make a book perfect, but if you want to keep writing and getting better over time, you've got to release it and get move on. But I haven't been able to accept that with certain things for myself. I struggle to do my taxes. I struggle to, yeah, like I said, make Make these connections. There's certain things that I struggled to do. So that's what I discovered when I was doing this mowing. It was so super insightful. And I also discovered that I worry, obviously. But I had this thought, this 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 little catch catchphrase: the thought of the moment is worse than the moment. I was worried about meeting this person to pick up all of the gear to work out how to do this job. I was worried that I wouldn't know how to mow it. I was worried about all these different things. But doing it was fine, obviously. It's just mowing. (laughs) But the thought of the moment is worse than the moment. And then I also realized that I extrapolate a moment of annoyance to being my whole life. I'm envisioning it in my mind. What if this is what life is like for the rest of my life? What if I have to do mowing for the rest of my life? Obviously, I don't. But it. But like those two combined going, oh my God, I don't know how to do this. And it's going to be like this forever. Knowing those points, knowing that I'm doing that helps, helps to overcome it. Now, this is, this has been sort of combined with my most recent psychology experience. My psychologist gave me the homework to do 20 minutes of meditation every morning. And then every time I watch beeps on the hour, to do another two minutes of calm breathing to lower the nervous system. And it's been so good. It's been beautiful. So it's helping me down this path. But what I'm adding to this is a jiu-jitsu mental state analogy. I train Brazilian jiu-jitsu. And in this martial art, if you get submitted, i.e. someone tries to toke you or break your arm or whatever, you tap and you start again. But if you want to do well, you need to learn from those taps so it doesn't happen again. It's like, why did this person get me? And usually, it's not a matter of them being stronger than you. It's a technique that they applied to you, or most likely that you stuffed up on. I turned the wrong way. I didn't move, yada, yada. It's on me. So what I've started to do is track my track my uh, breakdowns, track my the causes of my breakdowns, and then work out a solution. And I go, applying the jiu-jitsu logic of like, okay, I had a breakdown. That's fine. That's just like tapping. You know, in jiu-jitsu, if you tap, it's okay. That's just the game. Just Let's just make anxiety a game for a moment. Make my mental issues a game for the moment. If I tap, it's okay. Start again. But let's learn from it. So, for example, I'm writing down now what caused me to tap yesterday, fear of the unknown, something new, all right, and extrapolating potential bad moments into my entire life. And It's about working out solutions to those two problems. So the solution is to breathe, be calm, take a step back, remind myself that the thought is of the moment is worse than the moment. Doing whatever that work is, is fine. I'll be able to talk with people, yada, yada. And reminding myself that, yeah, this, this moment is happening now, but that's not ongoing. I'm also starting to really see a lot of lessons from Jiu Jitsu apply to my life. Last night we were training, and the coach said, There are no perfect positions. We were training escapes. Someone's pinning you down from side control or mount, they're on top of you. How do you escape? If you can't escape, you can't do all of the fun stuff. And sometimes when you're on the bottom, it's claustrophobic, it's fear-inducing, it feels hopeless. Someone's bigger than you, stronger than you, more technical than you, and you just are pinned, and it sucks. But he highlighted that if someone's in holding you in one way, they're exposed in another way. They move to transition because you do something, that movement creates space. In that space, you can escape. And we practiced it. little movements, not over exertions. I'm like, it blew my mind. I already sort of knew this. But far out, it blew my mind. There are no perfect positions. But let's apply that back to life. There's no perfect positions, but there are opportunities everywhere. And the final thing I wanted to highlight. In the background of all of this, I'm aware that I'm building up my... Presence online and the income for my, my online work, the books, all of that sort of stuff, the teaching on Skillshare and Inside Time and all of these things I'm doing. And when I, when I, as well as, you know, planning to do the workshops and stuff. But I realized I had this focus, yes, on creating art and expressing it, of course. But I was limiting myself. I was doing the art and putting it out there with a focus on making money. I was putting out courses on Insight Timer, wanting to, yes, help people and project and do these things, but I wanted money. You know, I need to live, obviously. But what I realized that was doing was making me very nearsighted. What if I instead put the same content out, put the same art out, but with the intention of not just putting the art out, not just making money, but like mo- way many more steps down the line of changing the fucking world. What if that's my goal? What if I, I have this vision? I'm looking past all of the noise in the short term and looking in the long term. It's like, how can I change the world? How can I make this world a better place? How can I move people, right? How can I do something like that? Because that to me is such a bigger goal. That to me is something that actually might have a point to do, right? Ooh, there's something powerful about that. And what inspired that thought was two vastly different, uh, vastly different responses to a poem. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to read you the responses um, from the of the poem, and then I'm going to talk a bit it, and then I'll read you the poem as. Um, once again, from, from Requiem for what could have been, but I read out, I've shared this poem online and you know, when you, when you get, <laughs> when you get feedback, it's sometimes you take it personally, sometimes you, you know, in a good way or in a bad way. So these are the two, uh, these are the two responses to the poem, to the poem called, um, do you love me or the idea of me? So first response, super positive. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like I've gained a deeper understanding of the complexities of love and relationships. The author's insights into importance of being honest with ourselves and our partners and the need for genuine connection in our relationships are both valuable and thought-provoking. This poem has given me a lot to think about and inspired me to examine my own motivations and desires when it comes to love. I would highly recommend this article to anyone who's seeking to build stronger and more authentic relationships. So, wow, very positive, right? <laughs> the second poem, the second, sorry, comment <laughs> relating to that poem is, Sucks to be her then, lol. Every woman is an empress inside. Your subject is quite pitiful. Not a good look. <laughs> so I just love the, the, you know, I get these two comments on on um or across different mediums. Um, different platforms where I've released this same poem basically within the same time frame. And it it's hilarious to me that the first person can be so moved, like, you know, life-changing revelation from my work, and the second person thinks it's basically pathetic. <laughs> um, one of the things that helped me to release and share and sort of do this work online is to not take feedback personally. The quote is, you are not as good or as bad as you think you are. I'm actually working on doing a book I'm nearly through called How to Write Evocative Poetry. Um, Unlock your creativity. This book will cover a variety. It's about 40,000 words. It's got everything on how to get your work out there, how to write it, how to unlock your creativity, how to get feedback all of this sort of stuff, how to make your poetry pop. It's also going to have, um, creative writing for healing in there as well. It's a, it's going to be like a master class on poetry writing. And in there, yeah, I put the quote, not sure where I heard it from first, but you are not as good or as bad as you think you are. And these two, two responses side by side really highlight that. Um, I mean, for the first person, yeah, I'm making those changes. It's amazing. I'm so grateful that I've, my work has been able to resonate with that person so much. And for the second person, fair enough, they're entitled to their opinion, but I'm not going to take either one personally. Like, I'm not going to to think that every one of my work from now on, whatever I write will unlock this um, beauty in the world, nor will I think that my subjects are pitiful. I'm just going to write for myself and um, hopefully attract people like the first person to my work so that they like more of my work and share it and spread it and all of that sort of stuff. And the second person, well, stuff them. I'm just going to ignore them and keep moving on. Anyway. I'll read you that poem as well. Do you love me or the idea of me? I may be your dream girl, but I'm real and that reality is different from your fantasy. How often must we fight just to clarify that you expected me to speak differently? How many tears must fall to realise that you expected me to be something I'm not. If you love me, please drop your expectations and open your eyes to the real me. My body has blemishes. I will lose my temper. I judge unfairly. I get things wrong. I'm not perfect. No one is. Unless, of course, they're just a dream. So yeah... That poem was both, uh, according to commenters, quite amazing or quite pitiful. I'll let you decide. But if you think it's amazing, or if you're curious about that poem, you want to see my latest work. Grab a copy of the book, *A Requiem for What Could Have Been: Poetry for the Broken*. It's out now as a paperback, ebook, and audiobook. Um. So, all of the oh, and hardcover, all of the formats. It's selling quite well. It's received the number one new release for poetry in Oceania, Australia. Um, And it's, yeah, it's doing quite well. Um, Down that regard, a few great reviews. I'd like some more, but they're all five star, which I'm very happy with. And yeah, um, it's got my best work yet. Anyway, with that, I'm going to get myself ready to do some gardening and embrace this new aspect of my life. The final thing... um, I just remember that I realized when I was doing the mowing was, you know, if you feel like you're struggling, that's just your origin story. You're living it. You know, if we embody that in a superhero, you're just living your origin story. Transformation is coming. Anyway, with that, catch up.